I could truly say that I don't think there's anyone better to be here today to share God's word with us than a great friend, someone God has used so powerfully, has anointed his ministry and his teaching in this specific area of understanding the power and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. His name is Tim Enloe, and um, he's going to come and share God's word with us today in church. I want you to join me in welcoming him as he opens up today and uh, leads us this morning. Hey, good morning. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? I'm so excited for what God is doing here. We love this church. And I was thinking back, uh, Rochelle and I were talking on the way in yesterday. Um, the first time we were here was in 1994. Um, and so some of you weren't even alive back then. But uh, it was a long time ago. And But it's been our privilege over the years to be able to stop by and see what God is doing here. And this is such a great church. Oh, my goodness. And so just have fallen in love with your leaders and your staff. Had the privilege yesterday. Yeah, you can clap. It's awesome. Um, had the privilege yesterday of uh, being able to share with your prayer teams and then with larger group of leaders. And I tell you what, if you're new to Evangel, your leaders pour out themselves and invest in the love of God and, and loving you and seeing what God wants to do in this community. And next week, the service, service, service. Service, that's what I said. I was like, pizza, pizza. That's Little Caesars. All right. But the service for service um, is, uh, is just such a great expression of the heart and core of this church. And if you are looking for a spot that just is not only a place to come and receive from the Lord, but a place where you can really do something in the kingdom of God, you found it. Look no further. It's a great spot. But anyway, um, I want to encourage you, if I can, just to highlight something Pastor Chris said. Um, tonight at 6, after the Eagles' decisive victory over the Jets, we will... Um, we will be back here in God's house, and I hope it's prophetic. Maybe it's pathetic. I don't know. We'll find out. But, um, but we'll be back in God's house here tonight at 6, and some of you go, oh, my goodness, two services on Sunday. Tonight is an unusual night, and how many are just a little unusual, right? I mean, for real? Okay. So um, tonight at 6, uh, teaching will be entirely different, and we'll have a little more time of receiving. We're going to be talking about being used in the power of God. It's going to be a great time of strengthening. Plus, we're going to, the prayer time at the end, well, among all the other things that God does, we're going to have a great time of, of prayer for healing for people that need healing in their bodies. How many believe God does supernatural things? Now, we don't understand them. There's no, you know, there's no scam on this. You don't have to, like, if you want to receive healing, you don't have to wrap up your prayer request in a $100 bill or anything stupid like that. How many know everything from God is free, Right. And so, but come tonight, some of you, seriously, you're, you're walking through some difficult roads. Maybe you got a, 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 a critical, life-shaking diagnosis recently, or maybe you're walking through just a time of, of just kind of general malaise in life, and you just kind of, all the shine is gone. The presence of God is what polishes you and I up to our very finest in life, the best versions of us. And so come and give God that opportunity, even if you normally would never come on a Sunday night. I have arranged with the NFL to have the game over by 6, all right? So you're able to be back here. Anyway, come and give God that opportunity. Um, somewhere in the room, my wife Rochelle and our son Barrett are hiding out somewhere. I think they're spread out abroad. But anyway, honey, would you just stand up and give a quick wave, all right? And But... Um, would you, in fact, put the picture of our family on the screen real quick? So this is our crew ever increasing and yet at the same time decreasing because for the last uh, 27 years now, we've traveled as a family when we're in the United States and Canada. We're typically in an RV like we are here. And if you see the little stain under our camper, that is not a sewage leak. I'm not Cousin Eddie. 
I had a little leak spring just on with our diesel tank, so I've got to, anyway, none, none of your, I just didn't want anyone to go, what are they doing in our parking lot? But anyway, um, so the, uh, we travel as a family, we've raised our kids because every week of the year, we're in a different city somewhere in the world teaching on the Holy Spirit, do about 300 services a year, and uh, over the years has been all, every state, every province of Canada, and like 65 or six something nations like that around the world. Um, in fact, if you want to pray for us, um, tonight after the service, we hop in our RV and we drive and, and drop it off in Harrisburg, PA, and then we hop on a plane, we get there about midnight, 1 o'clock, and then we hop on a plane at 6 a.m., it's going to be a tight one, and get to uh, going to Oklahoma there to minister to all their ministry, uh, district ministers uh, for a couple days, and then hop back, and then next week, we're actually back in New Jersey next week. And uh, anyway, that's every week. It's just it's chaos, but God always makes a way. But this is our crew. My wife Rochelle and I. In the middle is our son and our brand new daughter-in-law. Ooh, I need a little spray on hair there, don't I? Look at that. All right. Um, and so, uh, but our our son and brand new daughter-in-law, Braden and Olivia, and they are pastors at an Assemblies of God church near Cleveland in Ashtabula. And then our, beside them is our middle son, Dolan, and he is a junior, second semester junior at SAGU, which is the Assemblies of God University in Texas, and he's studying for the ministry there and put shoots hoops on their basketball uh, team as well. And then on the end is our son Barrett, who is here somewhere. He must be having a potty break right now. But uh, he's a senior in high school, and uh, so that's kind of our crew. So it's increasing because we're adding, but it's decreasing because we keep on sending them off. But how many know you raise your kids to send them out, right? And uh, so, but anyway, so that's our, would you pray for us? There are prayer cards back there somewhere. Um, if you would remember us in prayer, you can take us home with you. And if you want to know, I like chocolate, so if you're cooking. Um, but uh, if you take us home with you, tape us on your refrigerator and remember us in prayer. Um, here before the end, uh, this year we've already been, good night, we've been all over the place this year, like 30 states plus a bunch of nations overseas. We just got back from in the bush in Kenya. We'll be in South America before the end of the year. Um, this next year we're going to be in uh, Kenya, Tanzania. We'll be in Reunion Island. Anybody know Reunion Island? So Reunion Island is if you go where Madagascar is and you go east towards Australia. It's out in the middle there before you get to Indonesia, south of the Maldives. Anyway, we'll be in uh, Chad. Um, we'll be in uh, Burkina Faso. We'll be in uh, Niger. We'll be in northern Nigeria. Anyway, I hope you'll keep us in prayer. We really need it. Plus, pray for us especially hard because we're actually going to be in Virginia, right? How many know that's a third world country too? Anyway, pray for us. Um, if you're interested in the foyer, there are some ministry materials. We try to never make a big deal about them, but since we were here last time, uh, we wrote a new book called Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And this is all about people that want to encounter the Holy Spirit um, and, and experience Him personally, but they want to do something with it. How many know God invests the Holy Spirit in our lives for personal transformation and to do more for the Lord, right? So this book is in three, three stages and three sections. The first section is all about the identity of of the Holy Spirit, because when you really know who he is, you can trust him. Then the middle section of this book um, is all about tracking the very obvious trends. I think it will blow your mind how these trends pop up to you as we track through the Bible, how people interacted and received power from the Holy Spirit. It's going to blow your mind, the well-worn path. And then the final third, maybe the most important at all, it's what to do with the power of the Holy Spirit after you received, how to identify his voice and his leadings. What would God anoint you and empower you to do? How does work through that stuff? Really, really helpful stuff. And you'll also learn how I was mistaken for Elvis Presley uh, in Memphis, Tennessee one time. Anyway, there's some interesting stuff there. There's other books back there. Here's one for leaders. Um, for anyone that maybe in the, yesterday, if you don't have this book and you're in the leader session yesterday, you need this. It's the ugliest book we have. That's how you can tell. Um, but it's all about helping others receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's some 
other materials, some CDs if you like to listen. Um, there's, here's a CD kind of on our topic today, but entirely different material. And this is much more exhaustive because I don't, you know, on Sunday mornings you don't have a lot of time. And so, but this is exhaustive on our subject of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the accompanying sign of a supernatural language. So many people have questions about this, and we actually walk through all the scriptures on this called uh, spirit baptism in tongues. Um, if you go, man, I don't have a CD player anymore. What is that? CDs are the little shiny records, you know. But um, if, if you don't have that, you go, listen, we have something for you. We have a USB media drive card that has a little flip-out. Uh, it's like the cross and the switchblade right there. A little flip-out uh, uh, media drive there, and you can stick it in your uh, car's USB port if you can listen to, like, songs off your phone on your car stereo. You can put it in your smart TV in the USB port there. You can put it in your computer. You can even stick it in your ear. We don't care. But on this, it has, if you go out to the table, it has everything on this card is the entire audio teaching rack. There's, like, 10, 11, 12 series out there in audio. All of that's on here, plus all of the DVDs are on here, and it's the Holy Spirit uh, Digital Teaching Library, and so you can kind of take it with you. It's just kind of a great deal. But there's also a series on here. We don't have very many of them left, but there's a series on here from uh, uh, a couple years ago where Rochelle and I walked through dealing with the issue of manipulation in some family circumstances. And so it caused us to deeply study in the word of God on that and try to sort out. And we did a study from Genesis to Revelation on manipulation and how to get free. It makes you bulletproof, the awareness and understanding of that. Matter of fact, we had someone this morning come to us and say, 10 years ago or whatever, when you were here, I got a hold of that CD and it's changed my life, whatever. We don't have a lot of the CDs left, but all of that information is on this card as well. So anyway, sorry for the lengthy commercial. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a few moments. Um, aren't you thankful that God would put the Holy Spirit to live in people like us? People with issues. How many have issues? Wow. Hardly anybody. <laughs> this is a great church. Okay, so if you didn't just raise your hand, may I suggest that you contemplate as a starting point the issue of denial. Uh, that'd be a good, good one to start with. But um, God puts his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not like an archangel or something like that. The Holy Spirit is God's personal spirit. So when we think about the being of God, we as Christians serve one God, right? We don't serve many gods, certainly don't serve three gods. We serve one God. But God is so much bigger and vastly more complex than we are, divine, that he his identity doesn't fit into one personage. He is one being, but within that one being, the Bible reveals are the forever distinct persons of the Trinity or Godhead, God the Father, God the Son or Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God is one being, but within his one being, the subordinate fact is that there are three persons within his being. So the Holy Spirit is one of those. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we're not thinking of someone else with his own agenda, you know. We're thinking of God's personal spirit. And the Bible makes it clear in John uh, uh, chapters 14 and 16 and 15, 26 in there too, actually. He says that everything the Holy Spirit does is directed by Jesus. So whenever you sense the Holy Spirit's leading, it's Jesus that's speaking to the Holy Spirit to prompt us. The Holy Spirit comes to magnify and glorify Jesus. So a lot of people are afraid, like there have actually been some people that have been taught over the years, most unfortunately, that you can really trust the Father, you can really trust Jesus, but don't trust the Holy Spirit because it will make you do stupid things, make you look stupid. 
I don't know about you, but whenever the Holy Spirit's helped me, that's been the best time of my life, right? Not the worst. And so people are afraid, well, you know, I saw that thing on YouTube where the Holy Spirit came on someone and they became like a hot air balloon and stuck to the ceiling and couldn't stop speaking in tongues and drooling and wetting their pants and they had to finally get the fire department to get them down or whatever. How many know we should trust what the Word of God says about the Holy Spirit, not what people say about Him? Because He's been misrepresented quite a bit. He doesn't make us weird. He makes us more like Jesus. In fact, check out this diagram, if you would, real quick. Boy, that is bad. That's, that's a new thing. I must have rubbed that flat last night. Okay. What's it saying there? 665? Oh, good night. I'm in trouble. Okay, all right. Um, so the... The two basic dimensions of the Holy Spirit's ministry, the Bible uses uh, different positional words to describe them, both in the inner being and the outward being. So this is not just some, you know, uh, sort of words that I'm using, a key word to kind of unite these together. These are actually the terminologies that are used in the Bible. Some of the ministry of the Spirit happens in our inner being, some of them in our outer being, so to speak. So in the inward ministry of the Spirit, if you look at the bottom, it's all about purity. But it's not about you know, me purifying myself or obsessive cleansing or something like that. And I do need, believe we need to be clean because the Bible says cleanliness is next to, not in the Bible, but um, it, however true. So, but the inward ministry of the Spirit really has two stages. First of all, salvation. Just to be clear, um, there is one event in a person's life spiritually that puts you into the family of God. What is it? Salvation, Okay. How many know communion, the Lord's table, does not save you? Water baptism does not save you. Church membership does not save you. Spirit baptism, our topic today, does not save you. Salvation alone is the only supreme status-setting event in a believer's life. And honestly, our topic today, spirit baptism, as important as it is, has no importance whatsoever if you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ. So salvation is the most important thing. That's a spiritual cleansing being put in the family of God. And remember, we need a Savior because sin is not a natural problem. It's a spiritual problem. And spiritual problems can only be resolved by spiritual solutions, right? So it's like uh, if you've ever used oil-based or water-based paint, you know, you use uh, paint thinner or water, rather, won't clean up oil-based paint. You need mineral spirits or something like that, you know. You need the right antidote. And, and trying harder is not the right antidote to cure the sin problem. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sins, right? The blood of Jesus is the solvent for that problem. So then we have the Spirit's ministry at salvation. Paul teaches us at the second, the moment of our salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Everyone that has been born again or saved, those words mean the same thing, the moment you put your faith in Christ and confessed him as Lord, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Paul teaches that. In fact, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go from a Christian's life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you even when you don't feel him. Sometimes people feel distant from God and Christians go, oh, if God would just give me the Holy Spirit back. And sometimes they misunderstand David's uh, mentioning of uh, in Psalm 51 when he's repentant, don't take your Holy Spirit from me to mean that every time you sin, the Holy Spirit leaves. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. In fact, for a Christian, often... Conviction of sin can be very intense because the Holy Spirit, before you're saved, convicts you from the outside. But after you're saved, he convicts you from the inner being. 
And so he doesn't leave. A lot of people go by their feelings. Well, he's there when I'm eating Chick-fil-A and listening to worship music, and he's gone whenever I'm, you know, rooting for the Jets today. Don't do that, all right? But, but uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. But it's not. We, how many know we need to trust the Word of God over our feelings? Now, can the Holy Spirit leave a, a person? Yes, if you reject and renounce Christ, then you kick and evict the Holy Spirit out of your life. So he lives inside of us. It's like the moment you're saved, God injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of your donut. And if you've ever eaten a, a filled donut, you know, like you look at a box of assorted donuts, you never know what, what they're in, what's inside of that donut until you bite into it. Now, don't follow that part of the metaphor. Don't bite your neighbor. But, I mean, over the years, especially overseas, I've eaten some really unfortunate donuts. We were in uh, ministering in Morocco a little while ago. It's interesting because uh, Morocco, you know, it's illegal to be a Christian unless you're international. You literally have to show your passport at the door of the church for them to let you in because nobody wants to get arrested. Because how many know there's two ways to start a prison ministry, right? Okay. Um, but um, so we were in Morocco, and I walked by this stand at the Casbah downtown Tangier, and it's this amazing city. And, and I see this beautiful pastries, and I'm kind of like carbohydrates are my love language. And uh, walking by, and it's this beautiful, shiny pastry. I'm like, mmm, it's got to be filled with cinnamon and nuts and, I mean, all the good stuff, right? All the things that just speak to me. Some of you don't appreciate that, but I do. And so I'm like, I'll take that one. And so I'm just ready. I'm solid. I bite into this thing. And when I bite into it, I was surprised because it wasn't a fruit filling or it wasn't. It was, well, no, it wasn't meat, but I've had that happen too, all right? I, you're second-guessing me, but I've had that. But it was mint jelly and raisins inside. I don't know about you, but I wasn't expecting that, um, or else I would have been fasting pastry that day, right? But the moment we're saved, God injects the chocolate cream filling of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and he lives inside of us and benefits us in holy, purifying ways. Like you see the second level there, the fruit of the Spirit. When we're saved, God purifies us and puts us in right standing. But how many know we still have a long way to go after that, right? So we need that supernatural purity. If you want some great scripture on the fruit of the Spirit, that's Galatians 5, and 23. When Paul says in the beginning, chapter 5, verse 1, if you want your life to stink, if you want to be the one that nobody attends your funeral... Anybody uh, want to be that one that's uh, disenfranchised by your family? Let me read this to you. So this is an obituary from uh, a, actually a city I'll be in uh, tomorrow, Springfield, Missouri, um, where all the Oklahoma ministries are coming to there, which is kind of a crazy thing. Um, I won't mention the person's last name. This is an actual obituary. I took the picture of this paper about a year ago. Kathleen, and then her last name, was born on March 19, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude something of a certain town. She married Dennis something at St. Anne's in Wabasso in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle, and moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents, and the name's their name. She passed away on May 31, 2018 in Springfield, and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. Yikes, right? Galatians 5, 1 through 21, you want to end up like that? Live for yourself without any concern about supernatural purity in your life. But then Paul says, verse 22, Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit in your life Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, coffee, self-control. And all of those things 
counteract our selfish nature. Do you see how this works? How I many know we got a long way to go after we're saved, right? So here's a key thought, and this always seems to get into the teaching because I, I just think it's so important because it helps people to understand something. God is not demanding of you immediate perfection when you're saved. He is, however, expecting constant growth, right? Constant growth. So that's what he's looking for because a lot of people get into bondage of, I'm just terrible. Well, yeah, <laughs> if you listen to your mother-in-law. But God's expecting us that upward climb. So just like that donut, you don't know what's inside unless you break it open. You can be a Christian on your way to heaven and having no influence in the world around you. Be isolated by the dough of your own. Take, can't take the metaphor too far. But then there's another dimension of the Spirit's ministry where we're going here in a, just a few moments of prayer today. The outward dimension of the Holy Spirit's ministry. And the Bible strategically uses external, exterior prepositions and words to describe this. For example, in our text in a moment, Jesus says, you will receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many have heard that verse, Acts 1? Uh, but the upon there in English is actually a little more uh, rich than just the word upon. It's outwardly upon. It's the Greek word epipipto. Epi is the prefix, like your epidermis is your outermost layer, okay? And then pipto to fall, not pepto like digestive medicine. But pip, he will fall outwardly upon you. The idea is when you go outside in the rain, you get wet on the outside unless your mouth is open, right? It's the idea. You already have the Holy Spirit inside your donut. Wow, some favor of the Lord shining over here for a moment ago. Okay. Um, I believe the Lord is calling you to disco right now. Okay. Um, but not just that he falls, he moves inside of us, but he wants to come upon us. See, we can be empowered by the Spirit. You see there are topic is spirit baptism and outward ministry. Then you see another level of gifts of the Spirit. These are all about power flowing through us to help other people. How many of you want your Christianity to affect more than just your moral character? We want to we leave an imprint in this world. We want to do something for Jesus. That's why serve for, service for a service is such an incredible time. And, and I, there's still time for people to sign up if they haven't done so. If you haven't signed up, I'm just telling you, everybody else is doing it. All right? Okay? But, um, but it's an opportunity for you. But the problem, the reason why we don't do more for the Lord is because on some interior level, we feel inadequate. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't have the training. I don't have the time. I'm just going to make mistakes. Any of those resonate with you? Right? This is why we need supernatural help. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need help. All right? Just tell them. Because it's true. We do. Right? If you, if in order for you and I to do everything God wants us to do, we need not just help. We need supernatural help. So our subject, spirit baptism, you already have the chocolate of the Holy Spirit inside of your donut. But Jesus wants to take your whole donut and dunk it, baptize it, drench it, immerse it in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside. Chocolate inside affects you. Chocolate outside affects everybody else. Have you ever noticed in the box of assorted donuts when you lift the lids, the one with the chocolate glaze on the outside rub off and stick to all the other donuts? You ever notice that? Okay. Jesus says you're going to receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes outwardly upon you. Remember, the people that are baptized in power by the Spirit are already saved. This is not salvation. This is an after-salvation anointing, drenching of power in your life. And you will do my ministry, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Um, God will take you outside of your comfort zone and bring you into the place of the greatest fulfillment in your life. 
That was a great spot to go. Woohoo, amen, or whatever. I'll drink to that, whatever you say here. Okay, look at the next one real quick. Um, actually, let's go to the um, scriptures if we can. And thanks so much to your awesome media and tech team. You guys are amazing. I leaned over to Pastor Chris during service and go, you guys have like the best media and sound I've heard in a church in a year or more. It's just amazing. It was really obvious you guys care and take it seriously and pretty amazing. Um, so Jesus now has died, risen again from the dead, getting ready to ascend to heaven. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized, dunked with water. The Greek verb bapto is to dunk, to dip, to em fully immerse. Okay. John dunked you in water, but in a few days you will be dunked, baptized. God will enrobe, coach you in the chocolate of the Holy Spirit, right? And chocolate's not in there, but I like to say it. Um, then the next, the apostles are with Jesus. They keep asking him, Lord, are you going to become our political leader now? Are you going to topple Caesar? Are you going to get rid of Herod and, and, and fix our taxes and fix our health care and, you know, whatever? How many of you know some Christians can get overly passionate about politics and underly passionate about the lostness of their family or neighbors? You know, we need to be responsible. We need to pray. We need to vote. But if, if politics has become a divisive issue in your life with family and friends, that should be a major red blinking light in your dashboard. I need more purity in my life because my motives are out of order. If you don't like that, then I'm leaving after the service tonight. Okay. You'll know because there's like a drip of diesel wherever I've been. Okay. So, um, getting fixed tomorrow. So, okay. So, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to fix all that because they were looking for political power. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But look what Jesus says next. But you, next slide please, you will receive power, not political power, spiritual power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness as my ministry comes outwardly upon you, telling people about me everywhere where you're familiar and where you're increasingly unfamiliar. Your greatest potential and anointing always lies outside of your comfort zone. God wants to do bigger things than just your lazy boy. Haven't you found that the most important and fulfilling things in life are not in money and possessions, but it's relationships, relationship with God, relationships with people? You know, when, when God forbid, but when you're on your deathbed, when you're 398 and you're one foot in the grave, another banana peel, and, you know, the nurse is stepping on your IV and your family is stepping on your catheter tube and whatever, and you're, you know, you're in a real bind there. And uh, at that moment, the most important thing is you don't go out of your last breath, tell me what my balance is. You know, can, can you just put me, give me a handful of $100 bills so I can grip them as I pass into eternity. The most important thing is not what everybody's chasing. God has greater fulfillment through us that can only be accomplished by our surrender and welcoming more of the Holy Spirit's help. Then look at this next part. On the day of Pentecost then, this is a couple days later, all the believers were together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this is where our reading of the text stops, but this is just the beginning. This is the personal dimension of the empowering. This is still when the glaze was wet on the donut right away. But this expanded. And there's a church today in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, because of this scripture. Wow. And God wants to, the same way he operated this ragtag bunch of nobodies in the first century, 
to create the largest spiritual force on planet Earth throughout the generations. God wants to expand what's possible in your life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But remember, the angel told Mary, with God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. And I don't know about you, but me just having the chocolate inside my donut is great. I'm going to heaven. But why would I want to put it on coast while I'm here? Why wouldn't I want to be the agent of change in the world around me and, and see the power of God flow? And, but the problem is I have to overcome my fear and my weakness to get there. But those are not natural problems that I'm facing. They're spiritual problems. And God has promised me not political power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, physical power when he comes upon me. He's promised me spiritual power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. So he gives me the ability to do what needs to be done in the realms he's calling me to do. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, again, this is not salvation. This is an after-salvation anointing of power. It's actually the central theme of the book of Acts. Uh, how many of you know, we'll, we'll wrap up with this here in just a second. How many of you know the book of Acts is confusing to people? Because they don't know what to do with it. You got, well, I got the Gospels, and that's got Jesus in it. But then Jesus just makes that one chapter cameo in Acts chapter 1, and then he's gone. And then, then there are all these problems, warts and all, and good things and bad things happen. The book of Acts is very candid. And then you've got the epistles where Paul and Peter and others are writing, you know, James and whatever, writer of Hebrews. But a lot of people don't know what to do with the book of Acts. Did you know the book of Acts was never called Acts until about halfway through the 4th century? Do you know what it was actually called? Luke's second letter, second volume. First Luke, second Luke. It was in the, about middle of the fourth century when it was renamed Acts that they sneaked the Gospel of John in the order in between there. As a matter of fact, it might surprise you if you ask most people who wrote most of the New Testament, you know what they say right away? Paul. Eh. That is, there is a fact in there, but it's not the fact that people think. Paul wrote more books than any other New Testament author, 13 of them. But the writings of Luke and Luke and Acts far surpass in word count the writings of all of Paul's books by a long shot. Even if you give Paul Hebrews, which 99% of modern scholars don't, but even if you give him 14 books, because uh, it doesn't have any Paul's uh, notations in it, his commonalities. But even if you give him Hebrews, the writings of Luke still far um, outnumber the writings of Paul, even if you give him Hebrews. Now, that's not to say that Luke is more important than Paul, but it's significant. Now, Luke and Acts share the same eight-point outline. Luke begins, Jesus being supernaturally born of the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus at his baptism, then Jesus going and preaching specific messages, having specific confirming miracles, having specific types of persecution, his arrest, his threefold trial, and then the consummation. The book of Acts begins with the church being supernaturally born, um, the, the church uh, being empowered by the Spirit, the church preaching specific confirming messages, the church performing certain types of miracles, the church having certain types of persecution, the arrest, Paul's threefold trial, and the consummation, and yet the book of Acts is left open-ended with never a punctuation to show us that it's still going on today. Luke is trying to get us to see the same spirit that came upon Jesus to empower his ministry is now coming upon his church in the physical absence of Jesus. And now we're continuing his ministry in the same power that Jesus operated in. God wants to empower us to do things we could never do. And it's so easy to receive the baptism in the spirit. Could I ask the um, band to come back up? You guys are awesome. Except maybe not the uh, bagpipe guy. He was terrible. Um, <laughs> And so it's so easy to receive. Check this out. 
in a moment, we're going to set you free because I know it's late and everything. But, but check this out. In just a moment, so when you, when you respond, you know what to expect. We get these instructions from the three detailed accounts in Acts. It gives a lot of information of how people interacted with the Holy Spirit. Step number one, you've got to draw near to Jesus. The normal way people receive spirit baptism in the book of Acts, and there's a couple other ways, but the normal way is through them personally praying. You need to pray. You need to call on the Lord. God, I need you. I want to do more for you. Please empower me. Jesus, pour out my Holy Spirit. You could even pray, dunk your donut if you want. You want, okay? God, come and empower me. Come and strengthen me. And begin to tell God some of the things you'd like to do that you feel him stirring in your heart. And maybe mention some names. God, give me the words to say to Grandma. And, you know, these sorts of things. God, help me this next week at service for service. And, and begin to cry out to him. So that's step number one. That's something that's upon you. If you come up here in the front, you stand like a bump on a log, it's very likely that nothing will happen. But if you come up and you get over fear and what people think, because how many know people already think we're knuckleheads anyway, right? Okay, so get over that. But um, open up and begin to cry out to God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's second step. First step, you cry out to God. Second step, Jesus hears and responds and begins to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. You'll know it's the Holy Spirit because it's the same Holy Spirit that's inside of your donut that gets stirred up when you worship and pray. And, you know, you're not going to go, wait a minute, who is this? You'll know right away who he is. Oh, the Holy, and he, he comes upon you. Jesus pours him out. And honestly, this will typically happens very quickly for people. But most of the time, then they don't know what to do, so they kind of stay in that state. Step number one, something you do. Jesus, fulfill your promise to me. Step number two, Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit upon you. Step number three, while the Holy Spirit is upon you, there is an activity of Jesus and an activity from you. A lot of people mistake, they think this activity of praying in the Spirit is some outlandish Christian voodoo fringe thing. It's actually mainstream. The largest part of Christianity today is Pentecostal charismatic in the world. It's the largest branch of Christianity in the world today. And what you're experiencing is mainstream. Evangel Church is the mainstream of what God is doing in the world today. And so it, it's interesting because a lot of people that haven't yet experienced it think, oh, that's when God puts the chloroform rag of the Holy Spirit over your mouth and you pass out and you, you wake up two weeks later in the emergency room or something. It's not that way. It's, praying in tongues is very interactive, and it's a sign for you. It's like, um, have you ever watched a video and maybe, you know, on the train or bus or something like that, and you, so you kept the mute on, but it had subtitles at the bottom? When, you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, God turns the subtitles on. He begins to prompt you. You begin to sense, feel, become aware. Often you're even aware of the words you are to speak in tongues, to pray in tongues. But he never makes you. God never bullies us or coerces us. He doesn't make us get saved. He doesn't make us, you know, serve him. And the same way he doesn't make us pray in tongues. But all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you and there's this prompting. There's this urging inside, this utterance that he gives you. And sometimes people don't know exactly what to say. They can see the subtitles are there. They're aware God is urging me, but they can't read them yet. They're still blurry, you know, and they feel that urging, and that's okay too. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, your job, step three, when Jesus begins to prompt you, when he gives you the subtitles, you have to begin to speak them out loud. It's a sign to you. Now, you don't go to a lost person. Next week at service for service, you don't go up to a stranger and start speaking in tongues to them. That's between you and God. That's the outlandish test signal he sends through in your personal life to let you know, hey, I'm in a new data stream from God. I'm, I'm on a new spiritual Wi-Fi network, and I can receive signal now. 
and you know you don't get booted off the network either you got good signal but it's a sign to you and it's a very introspective moment so step number one you pray and seek step number two jesus pours out his spirit upon you but let me give you the final help in this when the holy spirit comes upon you you will not find the prompting to pray in tongues on the shelves of your brain and intellect that is a spiritual prompting that comes from where the Holy Spirit is stirring you. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, if you're praying, Lord Jesus, I love you, fill me with your spirit. If you keep on praying out loud English or whatever language you think it, you start, you continue to communicate and pray while the Spirit is upon you, you will not find the utterance because you're exercising the wrong muscle then. Instead, when you, you pray fervently out loud until you feel the Holy Spirit come upon you, and when he comes upon you, then at that moment you stop speaking and you quiet down and you look deep inside where you sense the Holy Spirit stirring and moving and washing over you and you will discover urging prompting. Today, in the first service, there was probably 25 or more that experienced that gift for the first time. And, and one of the gentlemen I was praying with, I was praying with him and he said, I, 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 can, I can see the subtitles. I know, you know, I can feel them. And it was metaphorically, you know, there was nothing he could see. But, but he said, I can't read them. And I was like, oh, that's easy. Just when you feel God moving, just open up, let your sound out, and just relax, and you're going to feel God start nudging your mouth, nudging your tongue, and you open up, and all of a sudden, the most beautiful, fluent language began to flow from his lips, that, you know, some heavenly language or something, I don't know what it was, but God began to flow, I mean, it was biblical, but it began to flow, and I was able to share with him, see that, the same way when you feel like you want to do something for the Lord, but don't know what to do, when you take those steps of faith with the Lord's presence upon you, he's going to help you. And you can expect this next week when you're at service for service and in the weeks to come when you don't know what to do and you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Jesus will begin to pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. And then you quiet down and you find the leadings, the nudgings, the subtitles, the do this, don't do this. You find his nudgings. He's installing supernatural GPS ability in your life to be able to do the things that you were afraid to do before. That's how tongues kind of factors into all of this. That's between you and the Lord, but it's an outlandish, superhuman experience for you and I to have to know that God's really going to be with us in great new days. So in a moment, I'm going to have you stand up real quick, okay? And when I do, at the uh, in just a, like two minutes, we're going to dismiss you because it's late. It is 3.30 already. Wow. Hey, there's been a lot going on in this service, and all of it's been really meaningful and important. Haven't you sensed God's presence here today? I just love this church. But listen, just real quick. In a moment, I'm going to have people stand up, and I will literally, within 90 seconds, uh, dismiss you. But I'm going to ask when you stand up that nobody goes out the doors. The reason why is I'm going to give a salvation appeal. And how many think that's the most important thing that ever happens? And that would be the least appropriate time to be a distraction. Are you with me? Okay. So with that, would you stand up with me real quick? And I want to ask you if you just close your eyes for a moment to shut out the distractions. If you're a believer, if you just start quietly interceding, all that goes on in the life of this church throughout the week happens so that people can come to know Christ this very moment. So pay attention if you would. I want to ask you simply in, in this moment, have you yet surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your life to him? We don't get saved through water baptism, church attendance, any of those things. We get saved, Jesus and the apostles teach us, by putting our faith in Jesus, that he died and rose again. Lots of good people have died, but only Jesus rose again, proving he has the power to overcome every foe and barrier that we have in life, even our own sin. 
And this morning, if you say, I look at my life and I don't know that I belong to Jesus. I'm not sure that I've done that. And, and I'm far from God and I want to be close. I want you just to wave a hand at me all over this house and join the perhaps that. Yeah, all over. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited for what God has for you. I wonder over the years how many thousands of people have given their lives to Christ in this very room. We're going to pray together. Maybe some of you say, you know what, I used to be close to God, but I've really been struggling. I've really been falling away. And I want to use this moment as kind of a spiritual reset and fresh commitment to Christ, surrendering my life to Him again and just using it as a restart. If that's you, give me a wave all over this house. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, everybody look up here for a moment. I'm going to lead a quick prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, you can pray this prayer. But how many of you already know Jesus? Okay. If you already know Jesus, before you go, I'm going to ask you to pray your own fresh prayer of repentance and forgiveness before the Lord. And But you're not allowed to use my words if you already know Jesus. You've got to come up with your own, and it's got to be out loud. All right? Is that a deal? That's your homework right now. Then, and then we're going to dismiss anyone that wants to go, but anyone that wants to experience what we've taught today, be baptized in the Spirit, we'll instead have you come forward and prayer partners will pray. And in a few moments, the Holy Spirit will wash over you. God will give you that new language and you'll know that new connection has been established of ministry power. God is getting ready to dunk some donuts, all right? Come on, if you waved your hand and said, hey, I want to invite Jesus into my life, or maybe you're far from God, if you can't think of words to pray, you can pray mine. But if you can, would you come up with your own right now? Come on, let's lift our voice. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your one and only Son, and that no one else can save me from my sin. Would you please forgive me, wash me clean, allow your Holy Spirit to come live inside of me right now. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your cleansing grace. Thank you, Lord. Come on, if you're hungry to experience God dunking you in his Holy Spirit's power without begging and pleading and singing a million songs, would you just get out of your seat and join me around the front? Otherwise, folks, you can feel free to sneak out whenever you want. There'll be no formal conclusion. Prayer partners, can I get you up here real quick? Come on. Come on, let's come and let's receive from him. Some of you say, you know what? I experienced that years ago. Well, guess what? God loves to double and triple and quadruple dunk his donuts. You want a fresh anointing of power. Even if you're in your seat, just lift a hand and call out to God today. Come on. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. Wash over us. Wash over us. Come on, lift your voice with me. I need you, Jesus. I'm so hungry for your power. I'm so hungry for your goodness. Come and fill my life, Lord. Come on, step number one. Let's just cry out our voice to him. Let him know what we need. Lord, I need you. I need your power. I need your grace. I need your help. Would you come and fill me? Would you come and wash over my life, Lord? Yeah. I reach out to you, Jesus. I reach out to you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, God. Even stronger, let us be aware of your presence, I pray. I love you. I love you. I love you. Fill me with your power. Wash over my life. Wash over my life. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep on praying. But God's healing someone. You have a nerve condition in the jaw. And it's, uh, it's a, a, a terrible pain condition. It goes actually in three branches, kind of up to your eye. And then it kind of goes around the front. And then it goes around your chin. 
there's been some kind of damage there or something, the Lord is healing that right now, that you can feel the pain melting away right now. Thank you for it, Lord. Someone else, the burning neuropathy in your feet is being healed. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just receive from him. Receive from him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. There he is as he's washing over you right now. When you sense him washing over, you just quiet your voice and listen deep inside. Look deep inside. Your brain will try to process through the prompting going, that can't be it. But the promptings come when the Holy Spirit is upon you to give you the confidence. It's not a mental prompting. It's a spiritual prompting. You'll feel it, sense it inside. You'll either become aware suddenly of words or sounds to speak. Even if it's one, something will become important to you. Speak out loud. Whatever he gives you, he will not make you. Or else you may feel like you need to speak but aren't sure what to say. If that's the case, just open up and just hum out the sound of your voice and just relax your mouth and tongue and you'll find your tongue will want to move. Just let it. Just try to cooperate however God prompts you. Be filled. There's going to be no formal dismissal today, but I just want to encourage you as you're in here still, many are just remaining. This is the atmosphere in my life when I became a very new Christian where the Holy Spirit filled me, met me, touched my life. And just as Tim said, this isn't for anything else other than those that are saying, God, I want to be used by you, Lord. I want the power that you have promised. I want to experience everything that you have. So I would just encourage you. I sense the hesitancy in some, but step out of your seat. Use this moment. Just walk forward. Get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, I want all that you have for me. So if you're here today and you're still drawing near and you just are desiring, desiring for God to do this in your life, to be met, to be filled, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just walk out of your seat. Just come forward. We'd love to pray with you, or you can be alone in that. But I just believe God wants to do so much more. So let's just come on out of your seats. If you're in the balcony, you don't have to stand on the sideline, but but maybe just change your position and get before the Lord, and let's see what he'll do in these moments. Again, there's no formal dismissal. When you need to go, feel free to slip out. Join us again at 6 p.m. tonight. God's going to do some great things.